answer every call of duty, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. everybody, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. This is Two Girls, One Podcast. That's right, it's a podcast. And there's only one of them. We're in your We're ears. We're the only podcast in the world. That's you right. don't need any other podcast. Mm-hmm. Listen to Subliminal us. messages. So we have a live show when we're not doing this podcast where we perform internet material on a stage. We do. In front of real human people. Real human not people. Not that you're not well, real. We're all real human people. They might be bots. People. I don't know. They might be. But um, basically it's we, live. It's live. And, and we take internet content like... Reddit threads, Craigslist posts, comments, Tinder messages. Yeah, community forums. We put it on stage, but we vastly recontextualize it. We think of characters. We and reimagine the text. Reimagine it. We do costumes and lights and sound. It's super fun. It's funny. But from doing that, we realized that there were a lot of people behind these posts. They were just we posts. We realized there were humans writing them. That's right. And we wanted to meet them. Every episode, we are finding something fascinating. Fasc- fascinating. We're looking at fasteners, <laughs> notebook fasteners. Every week we find something fascinating on the internet, about the internet, something like that. And then we interview the person. So that's what we're doing today. That is what we're doing. We and got a real good one for you. Today's is just bizarre and different. Something I never you knew know, existed. When we talk to fetishists, that's not new or different for us. That's right. There's a lot of that on this podcast. You can't this surprise us at this different. point. This, this is about... Video games. I was going to say archaeology. It's about it's both. both. It's both. <laughs> it's both. Matt is probably going to talk a little bit more than usual no, today. No, don't give him that hey invitation. Because hey, Matt, uh, why would you do that, Jennifer? Me. The man who should not be named. Yeah, I'm he here. Said uh, Hi. Hi. Um, you're into gaming, right? Yeah, I love video games. Okay, and um, you know this particular game we're going to talk about today, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, this gentleman is a gaming archaeologist. Okay. Which means he explores. Yep. The human. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> no, okay. but actually, you can test me if my if I'm correct. But this is what I got from this, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I formerly thought, until we started researching this, that in video games, you know, the developers create a mountain and they create a lake, and then the gamers come and they explore this mountain and this lake. Wrong. No, no. The way it works is they use the maps. They use maths. I made a play. They use the maths and create worlds from that. So algorithms are sort of generating these landscapes. So even the developers themselves don't know what's there. They haven't explored the whole game. And there's this one game they created galaxies and there's how many planets a quintillion Quintillion. there's a quintillion billion million planets 18 18 quintillion 18 quintillion I don't even know how much quintillion is I'm just gonna say it we got million billion and then the scientific term is a fuck ton oh cool (laughs) cool 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 cool. so these planets so it's crazy is there are entire worlds and even the developers don't really know what's on these worlds and the planets are the size of planets so once you're on it you could be walking your entire life just on one planet actually it doesn't even sound fun to be in a game that big because you can't explore it all mm-hmm. like yeah i'm with you on that one i'm lost enough in this wide world that we live in i don't I, need like if, another if google maps didn't come around i'd be lost at all times the name of the video game is no man's sky and if no, you're familiar with sexist, it guys no woman's sky no people's sky <laughs> how do you know people's sky y'all no human sky but then like maybe there's like robots and other kin like no being sky <laughs> So we're going to get a little bit of the history today. It has a really interesting history. There's been a lot of controversy around this game. But the person we're talking to today is an archaeologist on that game. He's inside of it excavating where the humans, where you guys, if you play the game, might have set up um, like a house or a pod or a hub or something like that. Yeah, so the other crazy thing that happened is, well, it is a long story, but people started... uh, choosing places to kind of convene because this universe was so So, big and build structures. Then they updated the game and it sort of regenerated all the worlds. And so the structures were suddenly underground or in a, in a tundra rather than a tropical landscape or whatever. And so like... Basically, they were saying it was a climate change event or something, climate right? Climate change is real, guys. So in the video game, as Ali said, worlds completely, they changed climates. They didn't yeah. look anything like they had before. So he also realized that like normal archaeological digs, you can actually... He's, he has to like dig to find some of these structures. It's kind of mind boggling because part of me is like, this is dumb. And then part of me is like, this is the future. Yeah. Also, there's that movie coming out. You guys know what I'm talking about because I that can't remember movie? the name of the movie. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, no, no, there's a movie yeah. coming out where it's all about the, the everyone has a virtual reality world. It's based on a book. Ready Player One. 
Yes. Thank I don't you. know anything I about it. I knew you would know. I knew you would know. I was going to say know. Ice Age 5 or Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they all put on this headset and go into this whole other world. But the other world is so rich that people, it seems, almost spend more time there. It is based on books. So people, you can correct me. Whatever. Fact check Allie at all times. Mm-hmm. And there becomes this like competition within that fake world to win and get the creator's inheritance and blah, blah, blah. But it's yep. like, I do think we're approaching a point where real world and virtual world will... I don't know, be more in tandem or collide. I think we're already there and that's why this topic is so fascinating to me. I don't think we're there quite yet. Like most people, like, in, oh, I don't know, we're like a, a little techie-ish in this room, but I think most, like most people I know have never put on a VR headset. No, I'm not saying VR. I'm saying you're waiting in line at the post office. That's the real world. But then you're waiting in line at the post office, checking Facebook yeah, and seeing yeah. everyone you've ever met and seeing all their photos and information at all times, 24-7. Your mind is living in a virtual environment probably as as much that as... That is fucking scary. Yeah. It's scary only because I think it makes it harder to live in the real world when you're so stuck in that yes. other world, right? Yeah. Like, I I feel it myself from being online or on my computer so much during the day that I don't feel as present the in The number of times I want to check my phone for no reason because no I just checked it is horrible. Yeah, it's addicting, right? horrible like I think about like what are the things that like we're gonna be crotchety old people like Matt's daughter's gonna bring home a robot and he's gonna be like that's the last time you bring a robot in my house you know what I mean like people are gonna be dating robots I feel very confident yeah I think that's part of it but I think I feel pretty confident that it's going to be um like augmentation meaning Mm -hmm. we look at screens it allows us to be very efficient Mm -hmm. in our lives way more efficient than our parents generation Mm -hmm. our children will be implanting microchips in their brains but what thing are we going to be mad about because we're crotchety old people microchips in your brain you're going to be like get that chip out of your eyeball she's yeah. like dad everybody has it it's it allows me to see further correct the way but that you think you're gonna be like get it up, get uh up. it would weird me out the way that even just talking about it now pro- you're gonna be like but i made those eyeballs for you i made them your mother and i made them for you why don't you like them the way that they are in order for her to be competitive in a hyper technological she's gonna have to implant those eyeballs say to. goodbye to them she now matthew to. say goodbye to them now imagine if you had to do your job without a phone or a laptop because your parents were like, you're in front of a screen all day long. What's going on with you? Yeah, but so you're saying you're not going to be crotchety about it. Well, I'm going to try not to, but it will it will hurt the way our parents look at us and be like, Snapchat, why? Uh, we're going to be like, microchips, why? I'm sticking with robot fucking. One of your kids is going to fuck a robot. Wow. And you're going to be really upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I said it. Also, sidebar, this podcast is not safe for work. Not because yeah. the topic isn't safe, but just because Allie Goldberg is here. <laughs> when she's present it's not safe it's for not work. safe yeah. <laughs> I guess I have a really limited view but I think I would use all of these things to augment my reality if my reality wasn't good enough in some way like I could see suddenly if I'm an elderly person I can't move around too much I'm suffering from dementia like maybe oh, I want to wow. be in space or something but you were saying if it was better you would use it but it's not it's about, not always better but the thing is like it is always gonna in some ways virtual will always be better because it will enable us to for instance fly it will offer something better yeah and and i would i would augment that (laughs) i see what you did there it will always be better and by that i mean our lives are awesome Mm -hmm. i think i can speak for everyone like we have great lives right it's good it's pretty good but think of all the annoying stupid boring shit that happens in between the nice parts of our lives those will be gone because mm-hmm. we will be fully immersed in if you choose you will be yeah. fully immersed in digital environments where nothing ever goes wrong mm-hmm. and i think there'll be a transition period where that will be very muddy and weird for a long time and then our great grandchildren will be like yeah it's way fucking better in this utopia that we've built digitally than the terrible awful fucking terrible real right, world right and that's the idea of that movie coming out ready player uh, okay one. yeah and I'm not familiar with it but I mean I'm, I'm aware of it yeah it's but like I the real world the is terrible so then we put on our and it's true that even I mean I only saw the trailer but it is true that like they put on their glasses and then you know they show you this like fantastic very cool world with superpowers I could be wrong I think there's an element where the, the, per, the pr- protagonist is an underclass person meaning he's a very yeah. poor or something but he's able to escape into the virtual world and be, yeah. be heroic or something yeah. I, I could be wrong totally i think i'm just a simple hippie kind of person <laughs> and i'd be very happy like being in real nature for the rest of my life and taking care of it i think there's also going to be like a counterculture movement where it's like people like they go back to the woods yes, for this reason absolutely. that'll be me yeah I'll, I'll head that up guys if you want to join me tweet at me at june bugger tweet at june bugger if you want to get off technology and go into the woods i'll go into the woods with you but not in a creepy way which i i 
sort of into. Something else about all this is I'm not a really good code switcher. Is that the term or like multitasker? Like going back and forth between doing like being online and then having to deal with things in the real world, I find really exhausting. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do like more. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's mm-hmm. a that's an important point. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in this transition period where you have to open up a phone or a computer to access this 24-7 world that we have to be a part of all the time and then you have mm-hmm. to code switch back to right. reality mm-hmm. we will get to a place is where is it reality or oh, which one's reality, what is reality? I don't that's know. true yeah <laughs> but that's I mean you're hitting everything on the head here. Yeah, the yeah, things yeah. that I think about of like you won't have to switch because it will be f- so fluid and immersive that you, you don't have to go back. I hope Does so. That In a way, I want it more separate, but having it more combined would create a more seamless exper- experience. So what? Right. It's like digital and physical. Like, yeah, I guess that'd be well, augmented, augmented reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't but, know. But, but I, I think I think the real world will matter less because as robots... Oh, that's and scary. It, it's, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Everything is automatic and delivered and, and think about in 10 years, 20 years. You don't have to... You don't have to work. You don't have to go out of the house. So I would go insane if I didn't but, have to work. But, I want to work till I die. But just instead like of working, Betty White, we love you, Betty. Oh, <laughs> instead of working, you could go. Just sidebar: Betty's not dead. I'm just talking about the fact that she's still working at like no, she's 95. Still she's still working. Come on, jam it. You may not have to work to make a living, and then you'll be super bored unless you are flying around in a virtual world doing anything you want. Or there will just be like so many artists cropping up because everyone's allowed to just do whatever they want to do. Right. Because we need more competition there. <laughs> but should yeah, we be allowed know. to do whatever we want to do? No, I think that really humans actually... Can humans deal with that shit? No, they can't. Humans want and need struggle, which is why we have first world problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. people can't handle having things too perfect. Like, pe- I don't know. I think you're right. I think most people want to struggle for something, but okay. maybe I'm wrong. Are people going to be massively depressed and anxious, like, much more than they are now? Yeah, I'm thinking of Avenue Q here. They want to <laughs> find their purpose. Yeah, you can have purpose, y'all. I, I don't just want to fly in outer space and do nothing. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho, we we got way out of video gaming. I, well, I, not really. Well, but, you know what though? I yeah. think video games, good video games that matter to people, give people purpose. If okay. people are depressed or they're not happy with their situation, being able to escape into a virtual world where you can be uh, yes, successful. But that brings us back actually to what this podcast is about. Whereas on the one hand. Uh, well, sort of what this podcast is about. It's like, yes, I agree that it's nice to have an escape and be able to find other people like you. But at a certain point, are you using that uh, rather than coping with the issues in the real world? Mm-hmm. Or does it not matter if you really like this virtual world? Like, I don't know. I could go in circles. No, that's, it's that's, very that's confusing the, to my brain. That's the big question, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Million dollar question. Who here has been on an archaeological dig? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Tweeted us. <laughs> I have. Have you? You have? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of fake. <laughs> oh, tell but, us about it. Um, when you go to Israel with like these family tours or whatever. So I was like 13. We went on an archaeological dig. And I remember thinking it was so cool. You like go down into these caves and they teach you to dig. And then you like find pottery. And I thought it was so cool. And then later as an adult, I realized like, no, they're not actually trusting you to like find ancient pottery. <laughs> they probably like put the pottery there at the bottom of the cave so these fucking dumbass American tourists can be like, oh my God, I found something. <laughs> you dig through and then there's the gift shop at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Dig through the gift shop. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know enough about archaeology, but I can't imagine there are like shards of pottery that they're not interested in and therefore it's okay for a bunch of white folk to just like bang well these american kids dig that up yeah it's fine they can keep digging this one like what if we found something important so i think it's just like a fully excavated cave and then they put some pottery in there that they don't care about But that's fun for kids i mean it was super fun also you do legit like crawl through some tunnels it's pretty cool that was my archaeological experience. <laughs> Dan, that's as much as I know. And I played a video game once. Oh, so, oh. Duck Hunt. Um, I played Duck Hunt as a kid. That shit was fun. Um, really morbid now that I think about it as an adult. The most up-to-date game I've ever played was Sonic the Hedgehog, I think. Mortal Sonic, Kombat. there is so much online porn about Sonic. There Sonic is, the true. Hedgehog is apparently one of the most popular fan fiction characters you're welcome. <laughs> Look at a lot of people want to fuck that hedgehog. Well, a lot of sexy fan fiction. Sexy fan fiction. Or fan sexy fiction in general. Sexy fan fiction about Sonic. Yeah. Sexy. But you guys have not played video any video game since, since Sonic. I thought you were going to ask if we have Six. fucked Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't. I, what, I'm so not what are these really are, a gamer. 
These are called like open world. What were you telling us, man? Yeah, well, this is I've so. Not experienced well, this. you talked about it, Ali. You were saying that you think about a goal, like you want an objective that's more appealing to you. It, it could be a loose objective. A loose but, objective. But yes. Right. Not just like, hey, walk around. Yeah. Actually, in real life, I like to just walk around. <laughs> but in game, really good at that. in game life, it's like, why am I walking here? I could go walk in the real world. Why am I here walking? But you There's can't, no beautiful view for me to see. But you can't walk on an alien planet in real, in real life. But those are not real alien planets. Oh, well, what's real and what's not? I don't know anymore. Yeah, this is an alien but planet. But if there was the opportunity alien. to walk on a real alien planet, I would not. Because as we all know, one of my greatest fears is being abducted by aliens mm. and anally probed. Mm. Ali, what if you were in the midst of an alien abduction right now and you didn't know it? I mean, this is great. What if I abducted you? <laughs> Are you going to anally probe me? If you abducted me, you're really really playing a long game here. Next week on Two Girls, One Podcast. Jen anally probes Allie. Time means nothing in this world. (laughs) Because that means like seven years in, you're like waiting to reveal I pull out the probe. Yeah. Let me bring it back. You love Star Wars? I love Star Wars. And actually, recently, I did play a Star Wars game. Oh, I played the AR. I did. I liked. (laughs) I played played an AR experience thing with... Star Wars, mm-hmm. and most of it was kind of crappy, except that th- you can do lightsaber battles with oh, a lightsaber, fun. and that's pretty cool. Is yeah. it with other people there? No, you're okay. with droids. Yeah, oh. those are pretty. Those are fairly experimental. But I guess my point is, like, yeah, it'll be cool in like ten years. In ten years, you love Star Wars. You love Harry Potter. If you could play a a, a video game that was really immersive, that let you in Harry Potter, yes, I'm in. Yeah, that let you fly on the broomstick. That yes, let I'm you explore. In. The, yes, I'm in. You're in. Yes, I'm in. Uh, and Did what I if, mention I'm in? Yeah, and what if that game was not like go meet Hermione at this place because that's the goal of the game. It was more like you can go anywhere in the ho- in, in Hogwarts castle, learn magic, acquire skills, become the most powerful magician. If it was well done like 10 to 20 years from now because right now it'd be janky. I no, would be no. So I'm in. saying it wouldn't be janky. I'm saying it's a fantastic ga- video game that really immerses you the way a, the way the movies do, the Does way the storybook. They There are not really any Harry Potter video games that I'm aware of. Yeah, I would do that. Right. So that's, I would go attend potions and stuff. Exactly. That's what these games are to other gamers. That shit would blow my mind. There you go. I'm so sad. Is it not enough to read a book or paint a picture Bec- or have Jen a visualization? Jen doesn't understand because she's never <laughs> the read Harry Potter. But the diffi- yeah. Well, it's not about Harry Potter. The difference, For me, it's about Harry Potter. <laughs> Amen. But the difference is when you read a book, there's only one path to go down and the story is made literally letter for letter by the author and you can't change it. Your imagination can. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Your imagination. But there's, but there's imagina- There's tons of imagination in video games, too. Wait, wait, uh, explain this to me. If the game is made well, if it's uh-huh. a good game, then your choices matter. So you can take the, ch- you can take the story in any direction. Mm-hmm. You can face adversity. And, and if it's a bad game, then it. there's no obstacles. If there's bad game, not necessarily a bad game, in my opinion, is like, hey, which path do you choose, A, B, or C? And it doesn't matter which you choose because it's just a fucking novel and you go through to the end in the same exact place. So it's like life. Mmm, deep. So there are consequences for your choices in these games. Oh, yeah, if they're yeah. well done. If they're um, well done. Okay. Some, and, some of, and getting back to imagination, some of the best video games that I've played are not these spectacular graphical things where every little pixel is, is illustrated for you. They're very simple graphics, uh-huh. but you care so deeply for the inner lives of the characters because the mechanics of the game are like, okay, well, this person's hungry and they need to go find food. And if you can't reach that place then they're going to starve and what decisions are they going to make? And then, and you have, you're managing this whole colony of, of little avatars. this prepared you for child rearing? You know what? <laughs> not, for ch- not for child rearing, but I do credit video games for a lot of my strategic thinking. Like I play a lot of games like Civilization where you're, you're going through the history of humanity and it's like, do I invest in in this resource or do I invest in this resource at what cost and at what trade-off? And that got me thinking a lot about like, I, you know, I work in media and with a very scrappy kind of mentality. And it's like, you can't invest in everything. You got to admit, you got to pick and choose. And, you know, chess is a good example of a game mm-hmm. that's obviously very strategic. But then imagine chess times 10,000 mm-hmm. on a strategic level. That's a game like Civilization. It's mm-hmm. so deep. Mm-hmm. It fully occupies your mind. So it's like meditative. It's very meditative. Yes. Yes. So Anywho. you're saying there are opportunities for imagination within these video games. Absolutely. Once you're in them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, No Man's Sky is a good example. And, and I was very excited about this game. I played it a lot. And it was 
so grand and so important, but it also disappointed a lot of people. And what a lot of people did was they used their imagination to say, this is this game isn't what we hoped it would be, but we're all going to get together and try to make it a little more meta and interesting on the internet mm-hmm. as a community to try to make it the game we all hoped it would be. And it's that so interesting informed- that people are so invested that they, rather than being like, oh, we don't like this game, buy another game, they like get together as a community to hack the game. Right. It's interesting, but also I'm just like, why don't you get another game? A lot of the community did. A lot of a lot of people abandoned it and said, this isn't... They're like, bye, yeah. Felicia, fuck you. Yeah. All right, well, we got to take a break. <laughs> fuck. We got a lot to get to. Okay. But first, it's trivia time. Oh. Love it. I want to do that air horn. Boop, 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 boop. I can't do it with my face. <laughs> 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 no. That's yeah. a little better. Why is that so hard to do? All right, what is it? <laughs> trivia. Speaking of video games, there is another video game called Minecraft. Perhaps you've heard of it. Yes. Denmark, the country, built, the government of Denmark, built the entirety of Denmark in Minecraft. One-to-one scale ratio. Meaning, if you're a player in Minecraft, you can walk through Denmark virtually inside Minecraft. They built it brick by brick. Is that like a tourism ploy? I I think it was educational, (laughs) but I think there was a tourism uh, tourism aspect to it. Except for that everyone went to see it in Minecraft, and they were like, oh, I've already been there. (laughs) Like when I worked at Disney, and there's Epcot around the world, and tourists would come to around the world and think that that meant that they've been to that country. And I'm like, oh, God. That's not what that means. Check that off. Yeah. (laughs) But something went horribly wrong Mm -hmm. in this virtual Denmark created by Denmark. What Nazis. Happened? Whoa. Can They're you back. give us any sort of clue? Because I've never played Minecraft. Okay. So it, did mm. it have to do with the infrastructure of the city? Yes, I would say it did. Infrastructure. Earthquake. Nazis. Do you eat and drink in these games? Um, you Yeah, you do. I was going to say like contaminated water. <laughs> but I don't know. Jen's like really researching and I'm just like, <laughs> virtual food poisoning. Yeah. No, I don't know. Something is wrong in the state, state of, of Denmark. <laughs> Something's rotten. This is a really good question. I feel like we should be able to figure this one out. I, I don't think I should be able to figure this I'm one trying out. To, I'm trying to give you clues that aren't too leading because it's hard to know if, if you're Something not Something went with wrong. So like there's a bug. A glitch in the software that created um something with transportation maybe okay uh boats okay there are boats in the game there are boats and all of them capsized (laughs) i I like that it's a good guess what do you got what's your guess i don't know all the boats capsized (laughs) i imagine there's some like old streets there and maybe it had to do with like the streets were too small you couldn't fit cars down them or that's another guess that's a great transportation related yeah It's actually a great guess because you could build something one-to-one scale and think, well, it works in the real world, but for whatever reason, the physics of Minecraft didn't work. Yeah, and yeah. that's I like that guess a lot. All it's right. good. You're thinking right. Boom. Two guesses. <laughs> I'm sticking with Nazis. All right. Nazis. <laughs> Done. <laughs> We're going to find out the real answer right after this break. And now a real estate advertisement entitled An Open Letter to All Posting and Housing from the website where Kim and Kanye found their dream home, Craigslist.org. <laughs> Please understand the following! A studio is not a one bedroom. One bedroom is not a studio! Studios are efficiencies and should never be listed. Or described as a one one bedroom. bedroom. A one bedroom means a separate room. Bigger than a closet! But intended to be a bedroom and has a door that, that closes. closes. If the unit you're advertising does not have this separate room. Isolated from the rest of the apartment. It is not a one bedroom. It is a studio. Which is not a one bedroom. Also, also a, a studio, studio is not a one bedroom. Also, a one bedroom is not a studio. Please. For the love of everything in the world. Stop posting studios as a one one bedroom. Just because a person sleeps in that space. Does not mean it's a one bedroom. It's still a studio. Even if someone sleeps in it. If it's not a separate room with with a a door. door. Pop quiz. Is a studio a one-bedroom as well? So... I relate, and I'm so glad that they paid for that posting. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's a lot of confusion out there between those two things. Yeah, as New Yorkers, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I recently moved, but I lived here a long fucking time. Yeah, I'm still here. (sighs) 
Yeah, studio is not a fucking one bedroom. No. Does yeah. a fridge, does a refrigerator count as? That's what a I lived bedroom? in for 10 years. Okay. <laughs> so, that's cool. Yeah. We need to get this archaeologist to excavate some you know, I was trying to tie it back. Yeah, I know you were, and I appreciate <laughs> but it. But it didn't, it didn't really work. It wasn't happening. Yeah. yeah. We're going to talk to our guests momentarily, but before that, we got to get the trivia answer. Trivia! Yay. Cool. In 20... I didn't have any idea. You had a guess. Nazis. No, you got to guess Nazis. In 2014, Denmark... That would be something that really went wrong. I think so. Yeah. 20... Nobody's arguing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Na- like Nazis. Nazis, uh, good or bad. In 2014, Denmark built Denmark inside Minecraft... Until something got a little messed up. Oh, you know what? Maybe they did that Disney thing where they hid phalluses everywhere just for funsies. Ooh, I like that. All right, so Nazi phalluses, that's your guess? Yeah, just combine them. Okay, Nazi phalluses. And then Jen was saying something about the physics of the world Nazis not working kind of in our phalluses. The street size, the old Dicks. streets were too tiny for cars to go down. Maybe all the boats capsized for some reason. Tiny streets! <laughs> okay, what, what, is that? what is it? What is it? The answer is. Some of the players inside Denmark blew up landmarks with dynamite and then put American flags on the rubble. All right, so you know what, guys? Guys, my answer... If you could choose closest without going over, my answer was correct. It was pretty close. Yeah, that's a real sad way to bring this shit down. (laughs) My answer was pretty close to accurate. If you did that, you should really be ashamed of you yourself. You should write a letter to Denmark. Also, on behalf of America, I apologize, Denmark. And if, if, we, if we have any Denmarkian listeners, it's Danish, isn't it? It's Danish. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that for the record. I just thought it'd be funny to say Denmarkian. If we have any Denmarkian listeners, it's Danish. So We are really sorry. Something was rotten in the virtual state of Denmark. Yeah, something was and rotten. it was Americans visiting. It was a bunch fucking of Nazis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to get to our guest. <laughs> and on that happy <laughs> note. Let's do it. Yay! Oh, my God. We have with us a video game archaeologist, Andrew Reinhardt, who has the blog Archeo Gaming. Welcome, Andrew. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure thing. We gave our listeners like a really shitty uh, rundown of what this whole concept is. So we let's, did our best. Let's hear you. We did. We did. We gave it the old college try. Mm-hmm. Let's hear your rundown of what the fuck you're doing with your life. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking weirdo. <laughs> Am I making Man, friends I, yet? It, it, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've been spending my life playing video games. Uh, and, you know, I could think of worse things to be doing with my time. I'm not killing anybody. Well, at least at least in the real world. That's a um, low bar. I haven't so murdered it, anyone, so I think I'm doing great. This podcast this keeps a taking downer. a dip. <laughs> we, went there, we, we were we just there talking about Nazis like four minutes ago. And the apocalypse. It's oh coming. We're with you. Is that why you've run away into the digital world? You're like, fuck excavating the real world. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's a big part of it. You know, why live in reality when in VR I can go in and kick ass? Hmm. Okay, so tell tell the poor yeah. listeners who have clicked out because we talked about Nazis for too long. Just tell them who you are and what, yeah. you, what do you do? Right now, um, I'm a PhD student at the University of York. Now, now I'm 45 years old and I'm just doing my PhD. It's like I didn't learn my lesson back in the 90s getting my master's degree in archaeology. And so, you know, with, with this degree, it's on video game archaeology and what's called digital heritage. Did and that heritage even futurism. exist in the 90s? Not really. You had no choice but to go back now. No, you know, so I'm hitting this at exactly the right time. Uh, so 20 years is about a, enough time to forget the pain of graduate school in order to go back and do it again. Um, but it's like uh, yeah, childbirth. With, with art- exactly. <laughs> Block it out. You bl- Block yeah, and then you're ready out. for another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, yeah, with with um, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, it's just the intersection of archaeology and video games. And what that means is, you know, how are archaeologists portrayed in video games? How do people think about archaeology when they play video games? And then, is it possible to do any kind of real archaeological work inside a video game itself? You know, treating these as an archaeological site, for example. And the answer is. Uh, yes, yes, it's <laughs> you can totally do archaeology in a video game. These games are what you would call a, a digital built environment. It means that people got together and made this space for other people to go and live in. And uh, because of that, you know, we can take a look at these things as archaeologists saying, well, how do people exist in a virtual space? You know, how do they how do they conduct themselves day to day when they're fighting dragons with each other? You know, what's what's going on? And then as far as uh, you know, the other aspect of, of archaeologists being represented in games, Gaming companies are not doing a good job at this. And it started with Indiana Jones 
and followed up with Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. And that's kind of all we got. Um, you know, there are a few other games that have archaeologists in them, but it's not real archaeology and they aren't really doing real archaeological work. And so, you know, part of this is trying to overcome that interpretation by by game media about what we are, what we do, and what we're really about. But isn't that how all media behaves, right? Like, my doctor friends think that ER is, like, not actually how it goes down being a doctor. You know what I mean? So isn't some of that just, like, the dramatization? What? Turns out, also, like... Uh, Grey's Anatomy? Yeah, I think that's yeah. not actually... How it well, works. Yeah, everything I learned about hospitals, I learned on Scrubs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I love watching the movies. I really like playing the games. This will make some people shout at me, you know, but I like to go into video games that have archaeological artifacts in them or temples and stuff. And I do like to, to you know, loot the shit out of those places. I really Wait, do. What? Uh, you loot them? <laughs> Oh yeah, you hey, know Matt. He's the guy who of... went into Denmark and <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> Wait, so what do you mean you loot them? Isn't that like the opposite of what an archaeologist should want to do? It it is it is, and you know I I don't steal cars, but I surely love Grand Theft Auto. You know, so you've got that stuff going on too. Um, you know, it's just a fun a fun way to play. But at the same time, I have a feeling that archaeologists could contribute to the discussion of saying, this is what we we're really about. This is what we do. And people might yawn or something, but it's like, no, no, you, you can put in uh, some achievements or some trophies. I didn't loot that temple. I get a trophy, you know? Okay, great. So I have a, a question. When you go and you do this archaeological research within a virtual world, yeah. now maybe I just don't know shit about archaeology. <laughs> yes, correct. But don't you usually like take artifacts with you to study, but you can't do that? Well, you can and you can't. It depends on the game. Um, you know, for me, any any piece of software is an archaeological site. You know, it's got it's got dimensions, it's got uh, places that you can interact with, um, and it's got places for you to explore. Um, you know, when you play a game, you know, especially like right now, I'm playing Skyrim VR on the PS4, and so I've got my virtual reality headset on. You know, like three hours a night before I start throwing up. Um, Great, because it it does get really disorienting. Keep you skinny. <laughs> So so yeah so before I puke um, you know I'm able to go in and find artifacts and stuff like that and that's and that's fine and you can look at those you can manipulate them in the space you can photograph them video them um, and ultimately export for 3D printing um, oh, you know, which is whoa. which is really cool um, you know because all of a sudden mind. you've got you've got something you know that you're seeing in kind of this quasi 3D space and you're able to actually export that and produce it in the real world something that didn't exist in the real world before. You know, but is just there as a bunch of pixels in the game that you're playing. And what do you do um, with it once it's printed? Play with it. Oh, give it to the, give it to the cat. I was gonna um, say. <laughs> you know, they they love that. No, they don't. They really don't. They like another one. <laughs> but do you do you continue studying it at that point, or is no? <laughs> um, no, I I think you can because it's it's a scale model of whatever it is that you found. You'll see people have have come to this on their own in like Etsy shops, for example. They'll like three D print something, put it on Etsy after they paint it, and they'll sell it as jewelry, as a toy, or something mm -hmm. like that. And that's you know that's fine. So you can kind of monetize your excavation in an ethical way, I suppose. Being able to to document how this is done and then to apply it to real world archaeology. So, you know, for example, if you dig in Italy or Greece or Turkey, you have to leave the stuff there when you come back to the United States to write stuff up. Um, you know, so what better way to take things with you than to send the printing specs, you know, to your inbox so that you can print things out when you get home and you've got scale reproductions of whatever it is that you found so that you can work with that and not break the law. So you were saying that you can study uh, I don't know how much this overlaps with other fields, but you can study basically how people are behaving when they like battle dragons together. Like, what are some of the things that you think the real world will be able, I should real in quotes, I guess, that the real world will be able to learn from the studies of the digital world? I'm really interested in how people treat one another in a gaming space. If you're interacting anonymously with folks, you know how do you interact with those with those people? I'm interested to see how people use things in a game space. So, you know, how are they buying and selling artifacts at an auction house? How are they? What are they crafting for themselves in these games, and why? And and you know who, who gets them? I'm, I'm interested a lot in uh, economics and commerce. I want to see you know who's who's selling what, how the market works. What's hot on the market right now? You know, is is this particular sword hot on the market? Is this particular, you know, textile or or whatever, you know, hot on the market? And seeing what effects those have, and, and you know, I think those rules, you know, are applicable 
into the real world. But when you're dealing with a game, you know, it's just a, a smaller version of that that can give you some very real rules. I mean, when uh, when you're dealing with elections and you get calls from people, you know, at the Gallup poll or whatever, they're not calling everybody in the U.S. They're just calling a fraction of the people, and they get a good sample size. And so, games allow you to have this really good sample size so that you can try things out. And humans will behave pretty much in the game like they would normally in the real world. Interesting. Wow. But. How do you know that they'll behave the same way they do in the real world? Because the virtual world has, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it differs from game to game, but there's a level of anonymity and people feeling like they're so powerful and can do anything because they have this, yeah. like, they have this I, avatar. I, I, I do think it can amplify the best and the worst in us. You know, so if you if you feel like being a hero, you can be like the hero. Or if you feel like like being a healer, you can you can just be, you know, healing and merciful and benevolent and all of that stuff. And that's really good. You have this persona that you develop. And uh, then you've got folks like me, you know, just kind of play as ourselves. You know, we go in there and, you know, I can't cast spells in the real world, uh, but I can certainly do that in the virtual space. It's a lot of fun. And I just behave like I am, you know, going in as an archaeologist. Looting temples. <laughs> Is that what you normally so, do? You're not going to let him live that one down. No, you're an archaeologist. And you're looting temples. <laughs> Be like if I went into the virtual so, space and just started burning theaters. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but you, you do have in these spaces, you know, these different kinds of rules. And, you know, you live in the U.S. and unless you're the president, you have rules that you follow, right? You have ethical unless guidelines. Unless you're the president. <laughs> I like how you just slipped that in there shots, shots while I killed myself. <laughs> okay, yeah? But, 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 you know, understand that if you're playing in a game, that game developer, that game maker um, has created rules of engagement for that particular space that are different than the rules that we have on planet Earth or in a particular country. And so, if I'm allowed to go in and loot something without penalty and it's not affecting a culture adversely, I can do that. I can shoot a Nazi, not just punch him. It's allowed. You have these different rules, and it includes like physics too. You know, there's no gravity in a video game unless the the, the maker actually puts that in there. And so, you know, that's part of archaeo gaming too, and the fact that we are kind of feeling out what the rule sets are in the different spaces that we're exploring, you know, and in doing so, we can find some unusual things that happen. And you probably, you know, see things like glitches when you play. These are accidents in computer code that that just appear when you do something weird in the game that the developer hasn't figured out yet. And so, you know, I can walk through a wall. You know, these are just glitches in the game based on the complexity of design. Um, and so you have those rules that you get to deal with and that you get to play with and explore. And, you know, I think that's that's a very human element. You want to push the boundaries of whatever it is that is constraining you, you know, to do or behave, you know, what you want to do. And that reflects also in player behavior. Yeah. How long do you think until the virtual world and the real world combine and become one? We're already there. You, know, you, you think it's like you're in the real world and then you're in the matrix. Well, no, not really. I mean, because pretty much everybody I know has a phone attached to, you know, to their hand at all hours of the day. It's just, it's just how we are. We are uh, addicted to information. Um, and in order to get our information, uh, we've become what's called post-human. Um, We're already we post-human? We are, we are already post-human because we have augmented our intellect with technology. And that technology is very much a part of us. Has it augmented or are we dumber? I remember <laughs> less for sure because um, I'm bombarded at all times with push notifications. My archaeology professor when I was at the University of Evansville back in the early 90s, he told me there's two kinds of smart people. You know, people who know stuff and people who know where to get the access to that knowledge that they need. So, you know, I can be a you know a trivial pursuit expert um, or I can be really good at Worlds with Friends or something like that. But, but at the same time, you know, I can go beyond Google and find out information based on the question. I don't have to remember as much as I used to. And I think that's really good because it's freed up a lot of space in my brain to think about other things. All right. So bringing it back to you've been doing excavations in no man's sky. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on in there and what are some major or interesting discoveries that you've had? When No Man's Sky came out, it came out in 2016. Uh, it was this really overhyped game um, that promised the universe Literally, you could go in, you could fly your ship into a universe-sized universe that was created by, um, you know, code and algorithms. That seems like a big so, promise. Never it, promise it, it, someone it, the world and definitely not it, it might, a universe. Much less the universe. But, but they almost did it. Uh, I mean, they, they did do it eventually. But, you know, when the game came out, you know, I, I and a bunch of other folks, you know, went in there and we were flying around and, and uh, you know, it was, it was cool. You could go to planets that you'd never seen before that the developers didn't had never intended 
you know, they write these rules, have this kind of plan, up this kind of atmosphere, these kinds of plants, these kinds of animals, this kind of culture, these kinds of buildings. Great. As far as an exploration game, that was fun. But as far as a game that was fun to play with a plot or something, not so much. Um, but they fixed it. You know, 2017, it's an amazing game. With that update, especially one called Atlas Rises, which is update 1.3 that happened earlier in 2017, you have a climate change, I said it, a climate change catastrophic event. And I'm skeptical. Just kidding. <laughs> can, I, can I say science-based? Oh my um, God. <laughs> okay, continue. This country, man, I tell you what, uh, so I love it. But time to go. Yeah, this is why I'm in cyberspace all the time, uh, exploring the universe in <laughs> my tiny little ship on my couch. <laughs> um, it's it awesome. It's because you have this entire universe that nobody's ever seen before. And so you had this patch that came out that destroyed the climate of the universe. And it changed the climate on every single you know, one of those trillion or quintillion planets you know, that's in the game. Now, we have this group of citizen scientists who are in a place called the Galactic Hub, which is a collection of about maybe 100 stars or something. And this literally got, sounds know, like Star Wars, which, for the record, I love. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a mix of Star Wars and Star Trek all at once. You know, there's a prime directive that we follow, right? So this event destroyed you know, the, these worlds that they had colonized, and they picked up and left. Well, that's interesting. That's never really happened before, a mass evacuation of human players in a synthetic space. You know, What does that look like? What did they leave behind? And they all got together and said goodbye all at once. And they left little messages for people to find who decided to come after and see this space. And as an archaeologist, I'm like, that's amazing because this happens in the real world. What does it look like in the synthetic world? And so, you know, the project, the Legacy Hub Archaeological Project, the goal is to go into this old space to see what people left behind, what messages they left, what buildings they left, what structures are left, how the climate had changed, how the environment had changed. And then we can compare that to other catastrophic events that happened through natural disasters or whatever, whether it's Hurricane Katrina or you know the eruption of Mount Vesuvius that destroyed Pompeii and Herculaneum. So what are trends that you've discovered? Some people have left really great messages, you know, almost like so long and thanks for all the fish, you know, from, from Douglas Adams and, you know, to, you know, I like butts. You know, so, so you've got you've got oh, the inter- humanity. The, you've got the internet, you know, subculture. You know, you've got all of the internet, the best and the worst. You know, the most juvenile and the most profound in the same space. Just like this podcast. Yeah, just like this podcast. We've got you. We had our science, and we've got a lot of fetishes. You know. <laughs> so, so yeah, you've got that going on. Um, you've got uh, bases that people have left behind. You know, some people have just left them as they built them. Um, others have reverted to just normal spaces. Wait, what? What do you mean? When you when you build a base, it's just a a little circular hut, and you can occupy that, or you can customize it. You know, uh, you can you can ah, make uh, hydroponics, for example. Um, you know, which a lot of people do because it makes money by selling weed to aliens. Uh, I kid you not. <laughs> Wait, they're That's making hilarious. money selling weed to aliens? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's I called like Gek- that. It's called Gecknip. And it's Wait, like Gecknip? catnip for aliens. Yeah, yeah. Oh. You got it. Yeah, and so people have made like these hydroponic farms so that they can make money to fund their space exploration by selling drugs to aliens. So you need money <laughs> to fund your space exploration in this? Um, it's not necessary, but if you want some, if you want better ships and better equipment, then then yeah, you you farm resources and you build stuff. Something I find so interesting about No Man's Sky is that it was not meant to be a multiplayer game, right? But that right, was yeah. demanded by the audience. They really want a multiplayer because it's fun to play with your friends. And well, I can go to this planet, and my friend can spend weeks getting to this planet at the same time as me, but we can't see each other. And that changed with one of the recent patches in 2017. At this point, I can go to a planet. You know, so I can go to one of the planets in the Galactic Hub, and there are people who are still coming there as like tourists now. It's like going to a ghost town and seeing what happened back in the day. And I appear as a sphere of light to them, and they appear as a sphere of light to me. And we can talk on voice chat, or we can make a monument together saying we, we commemorate our meeting on this planet. Um, and you know, that's really special. And because the universe is so big, and because it's so rare to find another person in this particular space, you know, it, it gets this kind of special feeling. You know, it's like, wow, you know, there's somebody else out there. I'm not alone. Uh, this, this game is really utopian, um, I found. And, and you know, not dystopian at all, but utopian, um, which is great. The player community has been super amazing, super helpful and welcoming. Um, you know, we work together. Um, you know, we can have up to 16 players on a planet at the same time. 
you know, working together. And so I can have my team, I can have four people on my team come and join me to do a, a field survey. We can walk around together and document together and talk. Hey, come over here. I found something. And we can go over there and, and look at it. But but yeah, it's it's nice to be able to connect to people in that space, which was designed to be kind of this, this lonely you know, adventuring universe. So something else, is it okay if I changed a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to sure switch gears. Something else that we find really interesting that you did that's somewhat unrelated is that you were at the Atari dump. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and can you start <laughs> by is, explaining to our listeners what the well, fuck it I is? <laughs> I led the team of archaeologists in cooperation with a documentary film crew and the city of Alamogordo, New Mexico, to excavate what is rumored to be the worst video game ever made. That was also rumored to be dumped by Atari back in 1983. It was E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So, you know, the, 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 short, the short story of this is that uh, Atari, you know, had a real big hit in Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, and translated that movie into a game in 1982. And then, you know, they're like, okay, we need to do something for E.T. E.T. is a huge movie, you know, it was a big event. It was a blockbuster. It was one of the first. And so they're like, we need to have a game for Christmas. You know, for the holiday season um, in 1982, and they gave their Wunderkind game developer, Howard Scott Warshaw, about five weeks to put this together. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. Um, and so he made a game in five weeks, and if and this was going to market to millions of people. And, and you know, you know, and I know that you can't do anything of substance in five weeks. It's just impossible. And, and so the game got got really uh, lambasted by the press and by players saying this is terrible, it's confusing. And theory had it that Atari is like, okay, we're going to dump the games. And so they they uh, sent several semi-truckloads to a, a landfill in uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is near Roswell and near the Trinity Missile Test Site near White Sands. That's and so, hardcore that they were like, we're not just going to put them in the dumpster. We're going to put them in this radioactive alien site where so, no so one like, will ever want to die. It was E.T. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, it made sense. Made a lot of sense. And you know, this, this should not have been an urban legend, but it was. But because it happened in the early 1980s, this is all before the internet. And so there were a couple of news stories that that came out and there are a few people who were there actually watching the dump happen but people forget how to use microfiche they forget how to use microfilm and everything that ever existed is online right so you know how could this how could this be true or not true and so you know we had conspiracy theorists and stuff pop up on usenet groups and whatnot in the late 90s early 2000s and it really became this story this urban legend atari dumped hundreds of thousands or millions of copies of the ET game because it was terrible and it's out in the desert somewhere. And so, you know, the, the, the film crew and the archaeologists in the city got together and are like, well, let's find out. And so we did. Uh, we went there. Uh, Joe Lewandowski, um, who was present at the original uh, dumping of the games, uh, was there. He figured out where to dig. And uh, as the archaeologists, you know, we were there you know, observing as all of this trash was coming out because archaeologists don't get to play in the landfill all that often. Um, and so that was a unique thing for us, just seeing all the garbage that was there. But then, yeah, the games were there. And it wasn't millions. It was hundreds of thousands. And we found about 1,300 games. And it wasn't just E.T. Uh, we had 53 different titles um, coming up out of the ground that day. And nobody expected that except the people who did the dumping. And they're like, you idiots. Of course the games are there. You idiots. Of course it's not just E.T. And so we were able to de debunk the myth. Um, and at the same time, you know, just remind people that this actually happened and the New York Times actually published a story on it when it happened. And you just need to know where to get that information and how to think critically. So were they in that again. decent condition? Could you play the game? The, a lot of the games that did come up were in excellent condition. And the rumor had- Did you have to blow really hard on the cartridge? <laughs> Man, no, I haven't, I haven't done that in a work. long time. Um, yeah, God, you know, for those of you scoring at home, um, if you blew, if you blew, the rumor had it that if you blew on the wafer, not you know, if an Atari game, but usually this is for uh, Nintendo. Nintendo, yeah. Um, you 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 would then be able to smack it in there, and then it would play. Um, and we actually tried that with a few games that were in just excellent shape. You know, people had said that these games were covered in cement, that they'd been run over by a bulldozer. Ooh, cover. That's a better tactic for next time, Atari. Yeah, just yes, cement them all. So <laughs> So 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 yeah, we, we actually brought along some twenty six hundred uh, consoles and some old. That's TVs. ridiculous. You had like truckloads of consoles, and so we we had like two or three set up on tables to set up with, by the with fucking big ass alien place. Oh yeah, and, and so you know, every now and again, we would send a cartridge up out of the hole. Okay, let's try this one. Uh, no, and none of them worked. We tried. I don't know. We tried maybe a dozen, and none of them worked. 
people actually bought these at auction after the fact. Um, they were the property of the city of Alamogordo, and they use it as a fundraising tool for their historical society, which I thought was really cool. That's awesome. Um, so, so they sold these. They made about hundred thousand dollars. Some of that went to the city to pay for the dig. Some of that went to the museum, you know, to to update its exhibition space and everything. And uh, the people who got these got you know got a memento, you know, and they got an archaeological artifact um, that was part of history that shouldn't have been history, but you know, it's nerd culture and nostalgia, so it's super important to a lot of folks. I have one question that may wrap it up, TBD. I thought something you said at the beginning was really interesting and resonated with me personally. Um, you were saying how you know you got your master's in the 90s, and now you joked that here you are back getting your PhD. But what I think is so interesting about that is that between then and now, the world has changed so fundamentally. The reason why I find this very interesting personally is because you know, I started out doing sort of the traditional theater route, and because of the internet... I have work now. Do you know what I mean? Like, almost all my yeah, 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 yeah. So I want to speak for both of us, but like all my yeah. all my projects are they have to do with the internet and technology. And so I was really yeah. able to make that career because of the internet. And I like to think I would have found something else, but probably not. I'd probably just be in a different field. <laughs> uh, so what was that journey like for you, getting your master's? Yeah. And then realizing that the world had changed so fundamentally that you wanted to go back and look into this. Yeah, um, you know, I I got my MA at the University of Missouri at the Columbia campus in 1996, and I remember turning in my thesis, and the next day. And what was your thesis at that time? Um, it was it was on uh, a class of Greek pottery from sixth century Athens called a janiform head vase, which is basically a pot that has two heads on it that are kind of superimposed against each other. So you can think of these as like ancient Funko Pops, um, <laughs> but they're like pottery, you know, that the Greeks would use. Yeah. You know, and they're just goofy and weird. Yeah. You know, I've always gone for the goofy and weird no matter what. Us too. And so, okay. So you turn this in. <laughs> yeah. And so I turn this in the next day, my friend's like, you got to come to, you got to come to, to the dorm. I'm like, why? It's like, cause they got the internet. What? <laughs> and, and, and so and so it's like, look, you can look you can look at stuff up. This is Netscape is like Netscape Navigator or Communicator or something like that. It's like, look, you can type in a question and it gives you an answer. Oh. What? And so this I is remember. after studying. I remember, I remember these days too. You know, this is it's like kids today, man. Um, it was you know, mind boggling. So. <laughs> I've told this story before, but my friend and I sent emails to each other back and forth and sat there on the phone, being like, yeah. "Did you get it? Did you get it?" Yeah, it was. You know, it was crazy. It's like, um, you know, was, I, I'd had email. You know, but this was totally different because there were there were moving pictures and and images and and you know stuff from all over the world that I could start to access in a very slow way. This was just mind blowing as far as research goes. And you know, I, I've been playing video games since the 1970s. My dad and I would go to the arcade and play Asteroids or whatever in '79, and being able to play you know the Atari games as soon as they came out or in television or being able to go. And when I was an undergrad and and playing you know a cracked copy of Wolfenstein 3D or playing a cracked copy of Doom you know for the first time and and you know being able to be the same age as video games and, and maturing along with them so now you know I'm photorealistic just like they are no now um with, sorry with um, yeah, as a dad, I have dad jokes. It's part of the DNA that changes Love when you're a child, okay. right? I got so, that one. I got that one, Andrew. So, so yeah, um, you know, it's it, coming back, you know, to a, a technology PhD in archaeology has been, you know, something interesting. You know, something just totally fascinating to me. Uh, I never thought I'd, I'd do it. I just started thinking about video games and archaeology at the same time, like a lot of my colleagues had, and I decided to do something about it. Um, and you know, started the blog and started writing about it. And then other people started coming out of the woodwork saying, we thought we were all alone in this too. I'm like, no, no. And so we, we made like this club and now we have a community of practice and now we're publishing books and stuff on it. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. But we would not have been able to do that without you know, advances in technology, advances in communication, especially with the interwebs. All right. Well, where can our listeners find you or learn more? You can find me on Twitter at, at Archeogaming or at AD Reinhard. The blog is Archeogaming.com. And I occasionally would do Twitch streams. The Twitch handle is NMS Archaeology. And that's all one string, all one word. Um, and then I've got a book coming out in May 2018 called Archeogaming from Berghahn Press. And you can pre-order. <laughs> all right. All right, guys, do that. <laughs> and Andrew, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And now a real personal advertisement entitled Girl.
looking for that special someone who will share my passion for toast, all kinds of toast, white toast, whole wheat toast, rye toast, toasted bagels, and when I'm feeling wild and crazy, a Pop-Tart. There is nothing like a man who smells like toast. I picture us sitting on a couch in front of my 60 toasters, getting nice and toasty, sipping brandy from glasses with croutons floating in them, talking endlessly about the splendors of toast. Perhaps one day you will ask me to spread butter and jam on you. Or cream cheese. I'm not particular. Are you that special man? Well, I personally, I love toast. Um, carbs are underrated. There's this whole war against carbs. I know. It's they're because so they're good. so good. And when you make toast the way it smells, it's a multi-sensory experience. I can see why she's so into it. Multi-sensory? Yeah. You can see it. You can touch it. You, you can, can smell, smell it. it. You can... You can't hear it. Well, Anywho, it crunches, it crunch. right, anyway. Archaeology. Woo. Um, oh, no. That was a real mindfuck. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, you don't really consider that these are actual places that should be mined, need to be mined, that could actually teach us something about the real world. But we have just learned that that is the case. Yes. But I think it was sort of out for debate. It Why? seemed like what the implications were for the real world. To flip the question on its head a little bit, mm-hmm. what's yeah. the point of digging up 2,000-year-old pottery? Does their right. life have any saying... resemblance to our life? Does it better our lives to know what they did? And the, and I think the answer is like, well, we just want to know how people lived mm-hmm. in ancient Greece mm-hmm. because it's really freaking interesting. Mm-hmm. So I we think. just want to know how people are living when we start to have two worlds, which we do. I think especially for civilizations that have become extinct, people are fascinated to know why that was. And, you know, I think, are there any wrong turns that we're taking now that we shouldn't be taking or something sure. along those lines? Right. You're saying um, as opposed to studying the virtual world. Yeah. But if we're increasingly becoming a more virtualized world, doesn't studying virtual worlds matter yes. to... Right. I think that's the more interesting fundamental question is like when the virtual world gains as much currency as the real world, then there is as much value in studying it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of currency, mm. I recently bought some Bitcoin. Oh, <laughs> yes. Speaking of digital currency, neither here nor there. Anyway. <laughs> I think for us as artists, we could probably learn a lot about our art. Optimism. <laughs> <laughs> and optimism through studying people's behaviors in these scenarios. Yeah, I guess I'm mm. interested in what our listener has to say about all this. Our one listener. Hey, hey there. <laughs> hi, Jerry. Um, I wish I could say hi, mom, but you know she's not listening. <laughs> Well, we want to know what your experience is with gaming. In particular, we would love to know if there are any communities that you engage with around video games. So, you know, what what gaming communities are you a part of? Where are you finding yourself online and Reddit on Twitch? And do you value it more than the so-called real world? Uh, So engage with us on Twitter, please. Engage with us. (laughs) Tweet us. I'd like you to leverage the power of this podcast to engage with us. What's the ROI? Engage is not jargon. <laughs> Engagement is jargon. Anyway, uh, tweet at us at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. Email us. Send us as much as you want. Send in us an email a letter. At 2G1Podcast. Throw the emails. 2G1Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call us and leave us a voicemail. We might play it. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And tell us what video game you're playing right now and where do you go online to talk about it? Matt, stop talking. Sorry. Just kidding. (laughs) And tell us what video games you're playing right now and where you go online to talk about it. What communities are you a part of? I just said that. Oh, I thought thought you were telling me this. Definitely share this with all your gamer friends. Get them in here. Share this with your PlayStations. <laughs> but seriously, when you share it, it is helpful to us. Thank you. I'm going to keep talking about this until someone cuts me off. Ali, <laughs> stop. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and is produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by thepodglomerate.com. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. Subscribe to Two Girls, One Podcast by shouting into your phone until Siri has a nervous breakdown and quits. And be sure to share this podcast with your friends. And by friends, I mean handsome strangers you met in Second Life. (laughs) 
Great, great news. news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two, two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. <laughs> your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait. What's the catch? There's no catch. Tune in lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else. Absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.